I was fascinated last week that Jerry was pounding Egg McMuffins like it was his job and dosing them with salt because he didn't care because he's 80. How about that? So what better, shrimp cocktail or Egg McMuffin? Don't waste our time. It's Egg McMuffin all day. And don't get me started about those puny little cocktail rings that you buy. They're disgusting. Money. Egg McMuffin's good anywhere. That's right. It's the Rod Peterson Show. Those shrimp rings are disgusting. They are. The, 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 the puny little ones. Yeah. Welcome to uh, Hour 2 of the RP Show. It's your favorite daytime sports talk show, although maybe you're listening to it at night. I'm not sure. However, you're consuming it. Thank you for making us part of your day. It is episode number 938, and uh, we're coming in hot into a brand new week. Darren Moose Dupont is here. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'm pretty excited. Obviously, we're on Game Plus TV. We are on the radio on WQEE, live streaming on YouTube and podcast form. And uh, there's a lot of people I've learned that are listening, sorry, watching the show on television here around the NHL Bermuda Triangle. You yeah. know how I, you know how I know? They told me. How about that? Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. So, how hi, about thanks that? for joining us. I hope you're having fun. You overheard a lot of what I was saying near the end of hour one. Yeah. Right? Um, we had some good talks there about Connor Bedard and the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> We'll just leave that. Canucks are home tonight to Detroit. There's uh, one, two, five NHL games. Flames are at Ottawa. Coming out of the weekend, I've said the Flames could be the best team in the NHL if they wanted to be. But um, what I want to talk about is a few things. One is football and Super Bowl. Why Why not? We're not going to talk about it any other time if we're not talking about it now. Yeah. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs on a last-second field goal. Eight seconds to go. Harrison Butker kicks the field goal. Kansas City Chiefs win the... Super Bowl 38-35 over Philadelphia. We had a great time at our Super Bowl watch party at the Four Seasons Sports Palace. We didn't infringe on any copyrights, if you noticed, unless you got a letter from somebody, because I didn't. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't tie in any sponsors. No. It, the place was full. Get the photo there, Clark. You want to throw that? This is one of our winners, Mike Marutis. Uh, won his choice of a jacket. It was kind of funny, actually. Um, we give away Bet Regal prizing. You see, uh, I'm wearing a jacket. Ricky the iguana came out of hiding. You don't see a lot of iguanas this time of year, but Ricky came out. Interesting look that Ricky's got going on there. Uh, and Mike picked the Denver Broncos hoodie here in Saskatchewan. We call them a bunny hug. He's like, yeah, it's for the wife. I'll give it to the wife. The wife will wear it. <laughs> there you go. Um, we're talking about Patrick Mahomes. I've seen a lot of Mahomes hate. He was named the MVP of Super Bowl 57, two-time NFL MVP, now two-time Super Bowl champion, and two-time Super Bowl MVP. Um, Wayne is watching in Victoria, B.C., and he says, how could anyone not like Patrick Mahomes? He's anything but an arrogant young man. He seems to me to be humble. Allie's watching in Texarkana. She says, I like Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts both. Very talented Texas boys. No, but I'm seeing a lot of bashing of Patrick Mahomes. I don't get it either. But what I've learned, especially the last while, is that confident people rub insecure people the wrong way. And those insecure people, what's their mechanism? They bash. They bash. It makes them yeah. feel better to bash the winners, the leaders, or as John Frenzy said to me this weekend, important people like us. <laughs> he said that. And you agree with all of that. 
Yeah, I oh I do. Um, it's it's funny with Mahomes. Like he he was confident and he was celebrating and he was excited, but he was trying to be humble. And it's almost like Travis Kelsey wouldn't let him. <laughs> Kelsey wasn't going to have it. Mm-hmm. He made sure three or four different times to say, and none of you picked us. And we're shoving it down your Good throat. Good for him. Right? He made a point of hijacking the interview on several occasions to do that. He's the one. If anybody was, like, arrogant or came off as cocky, it was Travis Kelsey. And you know what? He's earned it. You know, he's the best tight end of the game. Set, he passed Rob Gronkowski for receiving yards and playoffs um, and touchdowns. I think he's just been outstanding, and they've earned that right. But people always want to hate on somebody who's having success. Yeah. That's why people hated Tom Brady when he was in New England and winning all the time. And it wasn't until he got old ish went to tampa people started liking him again because he became an underdog and so now we're going to go through this era of hating patrick mahomes until he becomes an underdog rich is watching in edmonton rich robertson he says mahomes is spectacular and i'm a raiders fan for god's sakes (laughs) thanks rich for straightening (laughs) that out jeff cabillas in winnipeg says haters gonna hate they'll drink the hater aid like no one's business right so I got an email here from Adweek, and they've rated the top 10 Super Bowl commercials. And I don't assume a lot of you were here an hour ago when I was talking about the Super Bowl party that we threw yesterday. I was up, I was down, I was all around. John Frenzy, the Don Cherry of football, the legendary football broadcaster was with us. He's 85, and he gave me heck, and he goes, you're not even watching the game. And I said, I'm hosting a Super Bowl party Mind your business. Everybody here wants to visit with me, okay? Just worry about yourself. So the point is, I didn't see a lot of the commercials. What I saw was Steve Martin a lot. Yes. And good for him. But from Ad Week, here are your top 10 Super Bowl commercials, and you can feel free to chime in or not because I didn't really see them. Okay. <laughs> Number 10, Uber One. And the title of the commercial was One Hit for Uber One. Does that resonate with you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Number nine, Oh, that was the P. Diddy one? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah. But that was the 10th. Thank you, Clark. P. Diddy was in it. Gotcha. Doritos. The triangle. Okay. Yeah, Jack's new angle. Okay. It was Jack Harlow, the rapper. And then it ended. It, they had a story throughout the, the game. And at the end, they had an award. And the best triangle, Elton John, instead of playing the piano, he was playing the triangle. How about this? It was good. Number eight is Crown Royal. And this is interesting. The title is Thank You, Canada. And I'll only say this. Crown Royal's brewed in Gimli, Manitoba. And I was having a tour of a rehab facility up there. I didn't check in, okay? I was a guest. I was giving, getting a tour <laughs> of Aurora Recovery Center. And as we were driving around, they said, that's where Crown Royal's brewed. And I was like, they said when the wind picks up, the smell wafts into the treatment center. I'm like, well, that's great. The smell of whiskey coming here right. on the shores no. of Lake Winnipeg. Anyways, Dave, thank, Dave thank you, Canada. Dave mm-hmm. Grohl, Foo Fighters, was in that one. Cool. Number seven, Popcorners. The title, Breaking that was, Good. That was the Breaking oh, Bad. Yeah. God, I did see more of this than I thought. Yeah, he did. John Frenzy had no clue. So good. Yeah, he had no clue who Walter White was or right. Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> uh, number six, the Dunkin' Donut. A Duncan drive through commercial yeah. with Ben Affleck. And Jennifer uh, Lopez. Number five was the NFL ad, Run With It. Doesn't mean anything to you? Uh, I don't know if I saw that one. Uh, number four was a Netflix ad. Netflix and General Motors. No? Okay. Number three, Molson Coors. Mm-hmm. 
High Stakes Beer Rad. I don't think I saw that one. Number two, Work Day. I saw that one. Yeah, it was on again this morning when okay. I was watching the networks. And number one is frankly the one that everybody's talking about, and I didn't really notice it, is Tubi. I don't even know what Tubi is. I don't even know what a quail is. Ah, it's a streaming service, Clark says. Number one ad, Tubi. You mean the Skechers ad with uh, Tony Romo and Snoop Dogg didn't make the list? <laughs> that was pretty good. The only Tubi I know is Colton Tubert. Um, <laughs> and the people are chiming in, and I'm. Uh, well, this is the one thing that we were significantly lost on, and that was Gronk. Uh, Jeff in Winnipeg says, darn, Gronk missing the kick. Uh, and there's so many comments in here I lost it. But what was I did? What, what was I doing all week that I wasn't even aware that Rob Gronkowski was to kick a field goal? I know it I was. It was a big commercial campaign. It was called the Kick of Destiny for FanDuel, and so they had this story of Gronk's going to kick a field goal. It started off, you're doing something at Super Bowl, the Kick of Destiny. And Gronk didn't know what it was, and then he found it was a field goal. So he recruited Adam Vinatieri, and he started lifting weights, doing squats for his leg, learning how to kick. And during Super Bowl, he was to kick a field goal, 25 yards, and if he made it, anybody who had bet at least five dollars on the Super Bowl at FanDuel would share in a ten million dollar prize. So he kicked this. Smart. We all thought it was going to be at the field during, like, at the end of halftime, that it would be a big pr production, or between quarters. It wasn't. It was filmed on another field. He hooked it to the left, missed the 25-yard field goal, so nobody won. FanDuel ended up giving everybody a $10 free play, you know, the ones you get from the casino underneath your yeah. windshield wiper. Everybody gets one of those, and you move on. But cool. it was a little anticlimactic. And to me, confusing. Uh, TSN's Craig... TSN's Craig Button coming up later on here in hour two. Uh, from the audience, couple things. Ricky Regina is watching. You know Ricky from Baller's yeah. Rec Room. 902-518-33. He's texted and he says, that was an amazing back and forth game. Too bad about the phantom hold to change it. And Dave is watching on Game Plus Television in Niagara Falls, Ontario. Beautiful part of the world. Mm -hmm. He says, we are blessed that both the CFL and NFL had great championship games. Take care, fellas. Argos. He's right. The CFL game went down to the last-minute drive. Winnipeg Blue Bombers had a field goal blocked, and they lose the game to the Toronto Argonauts. And then here in this Super Bowl, we have been talking about it all day. And again, that's what we do here. Uh, 938 shows in. Have coffee, talk sports, and hope not to fight. Yeah. Uh, Ricky, obviously you weren't watching an hour ago where I said a penalty is a penalty. It sure as hell wasn't a phantom penalty. But the DB, Bradbury, said after the game, I did it. I was hoping to get away with it. I did it. So how could anybody say that it was a phantom call? Yeah. It replayed at 37 different angles. I know. <laughs> I know. It's just... It, and we want to say it impacted the game. It did. I mean... Sure it did. It did impact the game. Uh, Jalen Hurts, instead of having eight seconds, would have had a little over a minute to come down the field. And he just proved he could go down the field fairly quickly when they scored and got the two-point convert to tie it just before that. Um, mm -hmm. But instead, the penalty allowed uh, Mahomes and the Chiefs to run out the clock and kick that field goal. So. Uh, Trevor in Winnipeg. He's, he's joining us now every day. I appreciate it. He's, he's written in. He says, I went to bed when it was tied with five minutes to go. 
And then he says, meh, no Grey Cup. Which game are you talking about? <laughs> Super Bowl or Grey Cup? They were both tied late. You couldn't go to bed early. Um, there were some interesting calls. Uh, Jeff Cabello, same guy, says, how did that Smith touchdown get overturned? And Rich in Edmonton says that that penalty not only impacted the game, it basically ended the game. Yeah. But what are we talking about here? That it was a penalty or it wasn't a penalty? I remember watching an interview with Kerry Frazier, who I never really liked. I've never met him. But when I did get to be good friends with Mick Magoo, he's like, it's okay, you don't need to like him. (laughs) That was from Mick. Uh, But I remember one time watching an interview with Kerry Fraser, the legendary NHL referee, and I was watching it on the big screen at my house. And he said, I have officiated 1,500 NHL games and not one time did a call of mine impact the game. I took my shoe off and threw it at the TV. I'm like, you're lying. It always impacts the game. And by the way, that's okay. Yeah, that game last night did impact. That call last night did impact the game, but it is what it is. Uh, Rich, I was talking about it earlier. 2014 Grey Cup blocking from the back penalty on the middle linebacker for Hamilton in the 2014 Grey Cup cost the Tie Cats a win in the Grey Cup on the last play. This really isn't any different. And I talked to the referees after that game in Vancouver, and they said, "What? Imagine if we didn't call it." Yeah. Listen. You know how close I am with Eric Tillman and Ken Austin. They were, how mad do you think they were? They're like, Rod, they've been letting it go all game. It cost Kent a $100,000 bonus. Yeah. Was that a penalty? They got got no answer to that. Right. Of course it was. And, And it didn't, you know, take the game away from Philly. Like, it's not like Philadelphia was winning the game. It was tied. It was tied. Right? And, you know, the Chiefs, again, it scored on every possession of the second half. So it's not like it decided the game. It just, it did end the game. It did impact the game, all of those things. But it's not like Philadelphia was winning the game if they, if they didn't call that penalty. Yeah. yeah. I think we all watch for different things. What I love about this was it turned into uh, a football game. It wasn't just mm. a spectacle. What did it come down to? Turnovers, the longest punt return in Super Bowl history was 65 yards. They couldn't cover it. The Eagles didn't cover that. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about that, and we should be. Yes. You know, and I thought about MVPs because Patrick Mahomes didn't even throw for 200 yards. thought Kadarius Toney, I'm like, he had the big return. He had the touchdown earlier, and then I looked at the stat line. That was his only catch of the game for yeah. five yards. But Well, and this is the thing. It's interesting. Ryan O'Radio is participating in the chat today, and I am here for it. From WQEE Radio, the host of the Radio Penitentiary, every morning here on WQEE. Where did this comment go? I want to read it word for word. Clark, do you want to put it up on the screen? Do you see it? There it is. Yeah, can you see it? I can't. My screen isn't good enough. I want to read it word for word. Oh, he did? He deleted it. Okay, he said history was made. With the two black quarterbacks facing each other for the first time, Jalen Hurts and obviously Patrick Mahomes, and he's right about that. So he deleted it. I couldn't find it here on YouTube, but Clark's got it on the screen. That's another thing that I, as a middle-aged white man, don't understand, but that's only because I'm white. I remember when Danny Barrett and Roy Shivers became the first African-American head coach and general manager in pro football history of this football team. I was the voice of the team at the time. I was like, why is this such a big deal? But now that I've gone through the things that I've gone through with the recovery thing, and on a smaller scale, Mike and the Mad Dog, 
Chris Russo and uh, right. Francesca, they were the pioneers of sports talk. In the 80s, they said, let's crack the mic and talk sports all day. Let's see how that... They were the first. Yeah. And paved the way for all of us in the sports talk game. So it is groundbreaking for black quarterbacks. And why it took so long, that's the story for another time. I did love the piece that TSN did on uh, Warren Moon. Mm -hmm. You know, would have been worthy of quarterbacking in a Super Bowl. He had to come to the Canadian Football League to get his chance with the Edmonton Eskimos and only win five CFL championships before the NFL thought, hey, this guy can play. Yeah. <laughs> right? Anyways, we'll be right back. I knew today's show would be good. It's kind of an audience takeover uh, all day. That's what we want. Craig Button coming up from TSN. Uh, we'll be talking Flames and Sins and more. We're live on Game Plus Television, which is channel 924 all across BC and Alberta on TELUS. Uh, also, Bell MTS Cable, Sastel Max, all across Eastern Canada. Rogers, Kojiko, East Link. And if it's your cable carrier and I haven't said it, let us know. We'll be right back. And also on the radio, WQEE, the key. Head to YouTube.com slash The Rod Peterson Show now. You gotta subscribe. Click the subscribe button for all the content you may have missed. Because it's a heave-ho. Hi. Oh, Stealing wheat and barley, such a young man's game. Hey, there's an easier way to plunder. Playnow.com, Saskatchewan's only legal gambling site. How do we score such a bounty? With slot games, table games, and sports betting. Winning such a treasure, there'd be no more swab in the deck. Visit Playnow.com to sign up today. Play with confidence, plus profits stay in Saskatchewan. Must be 19 plus to play. Use your game sense. Laid back and kicking it. Let's head back to the studio. Here's Rod. Yeah, that's me. Welcome to the RP Show, everybody. And uh, we are live on Game Plus TV and WQEE. Also YouTube for those so inclined. We're in the NHL's Bermuda Triangle right here, right now. And I'm having a wonderful time, by the way. I'm very, very excited on the weekend. I mentioned it last hour. Moose, Moose is with me. He wasn't with me for this. I watched a junior, junior A hockey game, Estevan and Nipawin, yep. in the Energy City, in the finest yes. junior A facility. It's the nicest junior A hockey rink I've been in, I've ever been in. They say it's number two in Canada to Penticton, and I've never been to Penticton, so I can't okay. say. It's the nicest. I've, but the kid from Nipawin, uh, Lefebvre, Rylan Lefebvre had his hand skated over. Oh. Right in front of us. Right in front of us. And to be honest... A crisis averted, I guess. It was right in front of the... You know the brink. You've been there. Yeah. We watched games there together. He skated right over his... Uh. He grabbed his hand immediately. There was blood all over the ice. And he went right down the tunnel to the dressing room. And the female, the athletic therapist, chased him down the hall. They called for paramedics to come to the Hawks' room. Uh, and it was the next day that I talked to Dana Dirks, the assistant GM of the Hawks. And he said he's going to make a full recovery. Not sure if he'll play this year or not. It was ugly. Like, it took the linesman quite a while to scrape the blood off the ice. Oh. It's traumatic. Is that the, like, listen, we're talking about DeMar Hamlin in the suite that I was in. That affects you as a teammate. It does. You know, it makes me think way back to being a kid in the Trent McCleary. Was that the neck? With Trent McCleary, yeah. the Montreal Canadiens? Sh shot in this 
throat, did he not? He took a shot in the throat. Was it a throat? Yeah. Yeah, like those types of things, scary, and, you know, the game stops and Eesh. the wrist. You know, anytime you get close to the arteries with the skate blades, I mean, it's surprising it doesn't happen more often, but it doesn't, and it's just, yeah. Well, I'm reading this now that you say that. I got an email came in over the weekend <laughs> on this exact thing. Jim Nichols. Where are you at, Jim? He didn't say where he's writing from, but he said, I'm surprised there aren't more wrists slashed with skate blades. In the olden days, our hockey gloves met our elbow pads halfway down the forearm. All right, but then you can't stick handle right, Jim. And and I brought, and, and so I saw the junior A game. I watched the college game with my niece and then a major junior WHL game Saturday night. Color me happy. And it all wound up with the Super Bowl on Sunday. Um, but I was telling my sister-in-law, Tracy, whom I love dearly, obviously, but she doesn't know whether the puck is blown up or stuffed, as they say. <laughs> and uh, we, she, she knew. She said, were you there last night in Estevan? It was big news that this had happened. And I said, I, I was there. And I told her the story of Josh Holden, first-round pick of the Vancouver Canucks. When I was broadcasting, his exact same thing happened to him, and he was never the same. And then we went to a game uh, in Moose Jaw the next night, and he had his arm in a cast, and he asked if he could come sit with me in the, my radio booth. And the Warrior fans were hitting him on his way up the stairs to the booth. What? <laughs> Hit knocking him. Yeah. That's what he said. That's the best rivalry in junior hockey right there. Uh, back on point, if we ever had one. Jeff the Stamps fan says, uh, has the CFL ever had a Grey Cup with two black quarterbacks? Again, I'm trying to go. He says 1987, Damon Allen versus Gilbert Renfro. There was one, and somebody wrote in here earlier, the guy from Edmonton. It was, remember I said Julius Caesar Watts, yeah. the Ottawa Rough Riders. J.C. Watts, I think it was a 1981 Grey Cup. Somebody's got to help me. And then it would have been against Warren Moon. Yeah. So maybe that's why TSN was doing the story on it, that he was in a CFL championship. I'm not sure. I guess my point is it's a big deal to them. I never really understood why, but now I'm kind of understanding why. And good for them. You know, I just feel, why did it take so long? It's kind of hard to believe. What in was, football, to have two black quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. Each other. I like guess, the Super Bowl thing. I go back to 07, but I'm like, that was Ryan Dinwiddie that played, not Kevin Glenn. Oh, yeah, of course. Because 07 would have been, right? Uh, it's another game I called. Yeah, like that would have been one. How about that? Um, I go back to Damon Allen. Um, anyways, Henry Burris. We could go on and on. Yeah. Swerve in Calgary says, I watch old hockey brawls and wince at all those blades slashing around, hands on the ice, trying to get up. I know, I know. I'm, maybe that's why they don't want fighting in hockey, Moose. What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. Sure was fun at the time. Yeah. Um, I got to stay out of the comments on YouTube. You can write us here, 902-518-3033, whatever you want to talk about. But I will also say this. I was thinking this, the NFL has to be happy with this being a close game. The line was Eagles by 1.5, Chiefs won by three. A lot of money switched hands. Do we know how much money switched hands in the betting world? I haven't seen a total figure on money won, money lost in the books or who the big winners were, but there were some. The big one that didn't, the kicker slipped. The big prop bet that everybody was betting on was that it wouldn't be a touchback. We talked about this on Friday. And he slipped and still got it through the end zone yeah. for a touchback. So I know a lot of people lost money on that one. Ricky Regina is still with us. He writes in and says, Warren Moon, Conrad Holloway. Thank you, Ricky. Clark will be on top of this. 
Was the Gatorade purple, Clark? It looked purple. <laughs> Make it. I have a photo of it. I have a photo of it. Andy Reid getting doused. Yeah, it was purple. I saw purple. Okay. It wasn't live during the game. They looked at it. They had, cam- they had cameras on that for sure. How do you miss that? They showed it later. They just never got it live. Um, but yeah, it was purple. And then they showed clips, and somebody said, "No, it's orange." But but what they were showing was time the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. It was orange. So this time it was purple. Big time stuff. <laughs> it the was. color of Gatorade. I don't even drink Gatorade. I wipe the floor <laughs> with Gatorade. I drink a, a game. And by the way, it is better than Gatorade. Have we found out? Can somebody in Calgary let me know? Are they selling a game in the Calgary co-op? Because that's the rumor. Sean in Vancouver watching on Game Plus TV, Channel 924, tell us. He says, what's the scoop? with the players who got suspended from the WHL? Or is that a pending conversation? Have a good week, guys. Uh, Well, again, show up on time. We cover all these things, right, Moose? Yes. We cover it all. The Western Hockey League announced on Saturday that Warriors net might... Moose Jaw Warriors goalie Connor Unger, defenseman Max Warner, and Merrick Howell, and center Lyndon Lakovic were suspended indefinitely pending an investigation into possible violations of team rules and the WHL standard of contact policies... Conduct policies. Uh, Unger leads the league in save percentage at 925, third in wins with 26. And Warner, who's from Estevan Sask, who's drafted by the Edmonton Oilers, nobody's saying anything. Uh, as I said, as far as I know, and I saw the Warriors play Saturday night, I saw their general manager, a longtime friend of mine, walk by. We didn't talk about it. The police aren't involved. That's the good thing. But being suspended indefinitely, that's not a good thing. And I, I don't know, and I'm not looking into it. Yeah. I think that's my right to be able to not look into things. Do you know what I mean? I'm not friggin' well, W5. It's clearly, don't want to be. It's clearly delicate, and the league has jumped on it, and they're taking, you know, looking into it. And the Ushia Warriors are going to want these players back because they're trying to get into the playoffs and, and go somewhere yeah. for their season. So when there is news... I'm pretty confident that we'll find out. Uh, By the way, the viewers are having a party uh, regarding black quarterback tandem uh, Grey Cups in the CFL, and they're bringing up 2013. Darian Durant versus Henry Burris. That was a good one. Unfortunately, that was another one that I was able to call. Our poll question today for Capital Automobile Universal Collision Center is regarding the National Hockey League, and the question is, which is Canada's best NHL team? Flames... Oilers, Leafs, or Jets? I voted for Winnipeg. Our first hour guest, Jeff Patterson, who covers the Vancouver Canucks, said the Canucks have no business even being in this poll, which they're not. He said the Winnipeg Jets. And ain't that something? Maybe we'll get into that with Craig Button next. How did, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure anybody really knows. Because when the season gets going, it's a blur for everybody. The fans, certainly the coaches and the players. You don't sit back and assess things until the year's over. You know, you really don't. Um, you were saying Leafs, right? I was saying Leafs. But right now, based on this, Rick Bonus should be Coach walking into asking know, for a raise? Cheval Deo's office and asking for a raise before the playoffs start. An he's, extension, maybe? He's worth it. Well, this is unfortunately why you can't listen to fans. Listen up, grasshoppers. They didn't want Rick Bonus in Winnipeg, remember? I will ro- I'm here to remind you that probably once a week. 
Jets fans didn't want him. It was Barry Trotz or bust. Oh, how does Rick Bonus feel that he's not first choice? Happy that I think that he's coaching the Winnipeg Jets. That's what I think. I thought you were going to say Rick Bonus for coach of the year. And not to say that he shouldn't be, but Dave Hoxdall in Seattle. That's pretty. 65 points for them, 67 for the Jets. Pretty miraculous turnaround. I don't think the Kraken have one half the talent the Winnipeg Jets have, and they sure as heck don't have the goaltending. So That's it's right. Winnipeg is winning the poll on Twitter. What are they saying on YouTube, Clark? Have they come to their senses? Because they were saying Leafs earlier. He's looking it up, I can tell. Ah, uh, now the Jets have taken over the lead. They're leading on YouTube. And how about those Winnipeg Jets? Wow. Did you <laughs> did you watch any of the Chicago Winnipeg game on Saturday night? Not the it was a late start. Man. Yeah, it was a really late start. What I really enjoyed Saturday actually is I sat right here and watched a lot of daytime hockey. I watched the Oilers, wasn't and the it Sands. great? I watched the Habs, the Islanders. I thought it was awesome to watch daytime hockey on a Saturday. I loved it. Well, uh, Clark telling me that Craig Button is loaded up and ready to go and. It was fun just watching the reaction with the Calgary Flames dropping down 2 nothing in Buffalo. <laughs> they were ready to burn their season tickets. The Flames would be a very difficult team to broadcast for because their crew was very down. I was listening to it after the first period. And then miraculous hairpin turn. They come back and win 7-2. And I'm like, oh, 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 we are going to take that all back? <laughs> well, we were... <laughs> Pick one, Calgary. Uh, I will see you in overtime. You bet. TSN's Craig Button joins us next. You don't have to take my word for it. The audience saying Canada's top hockey analyst from Canada's sports leader, Craig Button, is next. You're watching live on Game Plus Television, live streaming on YouTube, your favorite podcast platform, and on the radio, WQEE, the key. Head to YouTube.com slash The Rod Peterson Show now. You gotta subscribe. Click the subscribe button for all the content you may have missed. Oh, yeah. He's back. Time for more of the Rod Peterson Show. Welcome back, everybody. Brand new week kicking off here. Episode 938 of the RP Show, live on Game Plus Television and WQEE. Um, Craig Button, of course... The outstanding TSN analyst, one of the busiest guys that I know in the business. I'm going to start, if you don't mind, Craig, with our poll question. Let you take a stab at it. Canada's best NHL team, who is it? We've got it down to Jets, Flames, Oilers, or Leafs. What do you think on this Monday? Yeah, you know, we, we talk about best, right? And you start to look at elements of, 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 of a strength of a team and, and where they sit. And I mean, I, I, I think Toronto's a good team and I think Winnipeg is, is a really good team. I think it would be between Toronto and Winnipeg. But, you know, Winnipeg's goaltending is so good. I mean, they're deep in their lineup. And, you know, when I look at, you know, best, you know, and, and, and maybe I'll add best chance to uh, win a Stanley Cup in Canada. I think it's the Winnipeg Jets, and I think a big part of it is is not only their roster, but also their path. It, it, it's pretty wide open in the in the West, and I think the Jets are as good as anybody. And we'll see what Kevin Shovel Dayoff does uh, heading into the trade deadline. Whereas I look at Toronto and I look at where they're at with respect to having to play Tampa Bay and Boston, and you know it, it could be seven straight years out in the first round for the Leafs. 
Wouldn't that be something? And by the way, I was at a Wranglers game in the fall. I ran into Rich Preston. He said he'd just been in Winnipeg watching the Jets, and he was like, like that was way back second week of October. So he, you know, he said, they're good. Um, so I admire Paul Maurice for saying, hey, time for a change and leaving. And he never said they weren't good, right? I would ask you what's changed. They, Rick Bonus is like the only thing that's changed. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Kevin Shovel Day off felt that the team was capable of a lot more. He believed in the team. Now, there was a lot of uh, a lot of talk about, oh, who should he trade? Who do they got to move out of there? And, you know, Paul, Paul stepped away last uh, December and December of 2021. And, you know, he felt that they needed a new voice. And, you know, Dave Lowry stepped in and tried his best, but, the, you know, the results simply weren't there. And I think that when you look at the Winnipeg Jets, it's one thing for a GM to believe in his team. And, and and I think the hardest time to believe in a team and your players is when things aren't going well or when they're not going as well as you think they should be going. So Kevin looks, identifies uh, uh, something that they need from a coach. Remember, they were first talking to Barry Trotz, and then they went to Rick Bonus, And I think both of them were exactly what the Winnipeg Jets, Kevin Shevel day off was looking for. Uh, a, a better opportunity to... What I felt with the Winnipeg Jets is they did a lot of their own harm. They, you know, I, I believe in pressure. I love pressure. I love applying pressure to your opponent, but not mindless pressure. And I think the Winnipeg Jets, under both Paul Maurice and Dave Lowry, there was a lot of mindless pressure. Not only does that happen, but there's now a lot of needless energy spent by players. You know, you're chasing one place. you got to chase back to one another. All you got to do is look at the defensive metrics for the uh, Winnipeg Jets. They were in the bottom five, six of the, uh, of the NHL last year, bottom five, six teams. They're in the top half this year. That's coaching. They suffered from below average coaching, subpar coaching. Their coaching has improved significantly with Rick Bonus behind the bench. I've got a ton of questions for you because I haven't talked to you forever, but the viewers have more. Rich in Edmonton wants to know what you think of the rumors of Eric Carlson to the Oilers. Does it mathematically, financially make sense? Well, I mean, you, you know, you can look at the at the contract of Eric Carlson and you can say, okay, $11.5 million, how do we make it work? Well, you know, number one, you know, what are the San Jose Sharks willing to uh, hold on to with respect to the next four years of his contract? So well, why don't we just play a little bit of a, of a math equation here? I, I could make it work in a second. You trade Tyson Berry and Jesse Pugliarvi. You get them to pick up $3.5 million of the contract and you have Eric Carlson in the lineup. So you do you do those two moves. You don't have to you don't have to you know you're going to have to give up something more than that to to the uh, San Jose Sharks to entice them. But you add Eric Carlson to that team in Edmonton. Oh boy, you know you, my answer to your first question might change real quick. Because Eric Carlson, in my view, after Connor McDavid, is the most valuable player in the National Hockey League this year. If the if the San Jose Sharks did not have Eric Carlson. I think you're looking at 10 to 12 less losses. He has dominated the, uh, uh, in San Jose this year. He's been simply brilliant. And when I look at adding that defenseman to that team and to those four, that forward group in Edmonton, I think it would be fantastic. Here's something that I don't hear you talk about enough because nobody asks you. Swerve in Calgary says the list of players drafted in Dallas when Button was there. Darian Hatcher, Yuri Lettinen, Jamie Lang and Bruner, Marty Turco, Jerome Ginla, and Brandon Morrow. Obviously, several more. 
You guys won a Stanley Cup, and I'd always heard, Craig, that Mike Badano wasn't particularly fond of Ken Hitchcock. Can we solve that today? <laughs> what can you say about that? Well, what I can tell you is about Mike. You know, Ken Hitchcock came in. You know, it's always amazing that coaches, you know, you know, when they win, you know, you hear about anything. You know, Ken came in, and, and I think he did very similar to what Scotty Bowman did with Steve Eisenman. They recognized the brilliance of, uh, of their stars, you know, and, and Mike was a superstar. But Ken asked Mike to do some some other things that, that, that Mike was more than capable of, and not just being focused in on the offense, which, you know, Mike was brilliant, but also the two-way game. Mike became a superb, superb two-way game, uh, two-way player. And Hitch pushed. He pushed everybody, trust me. He, he pushed Mike, he pushed Yerry, he pushed Holly, he pushed uh, Joe Newendike, he pushed them. And it, when you're pushing, sometimes you're going to push buttons. But I will say this, you know, I know that when Mike Badano looks back on winning the Stanley Cup, he gives a massive amount of credit to Ken Hitchcock. So I would tell you this, that uh, there's times, you know, think about, think about this, uh, Rod. Think about our own parents. Think about when they come down hard on us when we're younger and we kind of under our breath, oh, geez, I can't believe they did this. You know, I can't believe that. And we're mad at our parents, right? They do it because they love us. And at the end of the day, we recognize that, hey, you know what? They were a big part of who we became. They were a big part of the success we were able to achieve. No different than Mike Medano and Ken Hitchcock. Absolutely. And uh, you and I blessed with great dads and wasn't yeah. that hit like inside those rings? It says relentless, right? Wasn't that yeah. Hitch's thing, that phrase? Well, it was. And, and, and you know, I, I think it's a phrase that still applies today, Rod. I think today, you know, when you think about, you know, what it takes to, to, to be a champion, if, if it was easy to win, everybody would do it. It's hard to win. And it takes a discipline. It takes a focus. And, and, and it takes a, a real consistency. What, what I call constancy of purpose and consistency of effort if you start losing your constancy of purpose or your consistency of effort your chances of winning are lessened and that, and so when you use the word relentless that, that that's a terrific word and, and and a word that is foundational to any team's success and certainly can believe it but also the players the players knew that when Ken Hitchcock came in with a game plan and Ken Hitchcock you know expressed along with Rick Wilson and Doug Jarvis you know what what a team needed to do what, what what they had to be aware of they they had complete trust in those guys because those guys not they might not have always had the answer but they're always looking for the answer and then they were able to provide the answer and and certainly sometimes those answers came from the players don't it, it wasn't just you know a player sitting there taking all the answers one way you know it was a two-way street and i I'll, I'll tell you a quick story and i think that this really kind of capsulizes not only the players, but Ken Hitchcock. In 1999, we lost game five to Colorado at home on, a, on an afternoon game, and down 3-2 in a series. And we had to go into Colorado, into Denver for game six. We were down one nothing at the end of the first period. Now, this was a President's Trophy winning team, a team that had every reason to believe that they could compete for the Stanley Cup. So Ken and the assistants were often you know, outside the dressing room doing what they do, trying to make adjustments and consider what they were going to say to the team coming in uh, before the second period began. 
Ken says he got to the edge of the door and he heard all the players uh, talking about, okay, listen, we were good, we we're strong, just keep with it. We, we got this. Here's the things. We, we know what we can do. Let's keep pushing them. We'll get rewarded. Ken said they had it. He said, I just walked in and said, okay, let's go. And I think that doesn't happen in that moment. That's instilled over a long period of time. But that's the trust that uh, Ken had in the players. But it was also the players knowing that where they found themselves at that moment in time was one that they had worked at for a long period of time. Sure, you climbed the mountain. You know, Hitch didn't just show up in 99. I was watching. 24 years ago, it does not feel like a quarter <laughs> century ago. We only got 90 seconds to two minutes, Craig. I need your take on the Calgary Flames, where they are and where you think they're going this year. Well, I think expectations at the beginning of the year, you know, to chuck out, Goudreau out, but, you know, Huberto in, Kadri in, Uyghur in. I think that you look at a team that defensively everybody felt would be strong. Well, that has been certainly the case. Defensively, they've been very strong, very good. Three areas I think they've really struggled. Markstrom, Jacob Markstrom has really struggled. He's been up and down and inconsistent, and that's really been a challenge for the Calgary Flames. Without Dan Vladar this year, there's no telling where the Calgary Flames would be. Number two, they've had a real challenge scoring. They, they're, they're one of the they're one of the bottom eight teams in terms of total offense. When you look at their ability to to, they get lots of shots, but don't confuse volume with quality. Their, their quality is down. You know that's been a real challenge for them. The other area that they've struggled with is holding on to leads, and part of that is the goaltender hasn't been good, and they can't and they can't separate themselves offensively. So three is a direct result of one and two. And, you know, when you have when you have the problems that the Flames have in one and two, I think that that becomes uh, reason for concern. Now, are they going to be in a hunt for a playoff spot right down the line? I think they will be. But this is a team that I think Brad Tree Levine is looking at trying to strengthen and add specifically offensively, maybe a bigger, stronger, more forceful forward that can provide a little bit more inside offense, which I think would benefit the Flames. Wonderful analysis, but more than anything, we always love the stars stories. Craig, thanks for fitting us in. Keep up the great work. We enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you, Rod. Have a great day. TSN's Craig Button. You too. We'll be right back with overtime. A sports update if we have time. Audience takeover and the Moose rejoins. We're live on Game Plus Television. Also live streaming on YouTube, your favorite podcast platform. And WQEE Radio, the key. Have you subscribed to the Rod Peterson Show YouTube channel yet? Head to youtube.com slash the Rod Peterson Show now. Because it's a heave-ho. Hi. Oh, Stealing wheat and barley, such a young man's game. Hey, there's an easier way to plunder. Playnow.com, Saskatchewan's only legal gambling site. How do we score such a bounty? With slot games, table games, and sports betting. Winning such a treasure, there'd be no more swabbing the deck. Visit Playnow.com to sign up today. Play with confidence, plus profits stay in Saskatchewan. Must be 19 plus to play. Use your game sense. You got something to say? You want to add to the show? What are you waiting for? Don't just sit there. Say something. Now, back to the studio with Rod. 
Really fun day today. Really fun day today. How can you tell I spent the weekend with John Frenzy? Uh, we're bringing the moose in now, uh, the Hall of Fame. I know we got to get him back on the air. It's difficult. It's not easy. 85-year-old Hall of Fame Rough Riders broadcaster, but I was with him all weekend. I always... I talk like him. I know. I spend time around him. I know. Uh, a sports update before we delve into some more fun stuff. Quarterback Derek Carr turned down a trade offer from the Las Vegas Raiders to the New Orleans Saints, according to a source that told the Associated Press over the weekend. Carr wouldn't accept a pay cut to help finalize the deal, and the Saints were the only team interested in making a trade with the Raiders. Now they're going to have to cut him. Toronto Blue Jays are gathering in Dunedin, Florida today as the first wave of pitchers and catchers report to training camp. Other position players, including Blue Jays All-Stars Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Alejandro, Alejandro, it's back. Yeah. Alejandro Kirk, one of my favorite Lady Gaga songs. They're reporting uh, early ahead of the World Baseball Classic, which begins March 7th. This sports update for Landmark Cinemas in theaters now in Landmark Cinemas Avatar, The Way of Water, set more than a decade after the events of the first film. Avatar, The Way of Water, begins to tell the story of the Sully family, the trouble that follows them, the lengths they go to keep each other safe, the battles they fight to stay alive, and the tragedies they endure. In Landmark Cinemas now, Avatar, The Way of Water. Moose rejoins for overtime. You were saying a nice little story in the, the break regarding one Craig Button. I was just telling you, like, I hear Craig on the show, and, and I just, you know, reminded me that Craig, for me, was the first guy that came on our show that really made me perk up and say, whoa, Rod's really got, you know, a connection to the game of hockey that's deeper than just doing junior hockey games on the radio in Regina. Um, Craig came on the way, he talked about your dad and just how intimately he knew you and your knowledge of the game and connection to the game. And then all of a sudden my eyes were open. Then the draggers came on and, you know, we got people from the Hockey Hall of Fame watching. I'm like, oh, like the, the connection to hockey and not just hockey here, but hockey at the highest level is a lot bigger than I even thought it was, right? Because everybody, you know, has that assumption of you being a football guy. That surprises me a little bit that you yeah. wouldn't know that. But even getting into the game late, because um, when my dad passed away, you were at the funeral, but you'd never met him. Right, never. Who, who has a funeral and a hockey rink? Jim Peterson does. Oh. Yeah, it was full. He was like, go oh, pack the rink for this funeral. Who spoke at it? This guy and his granddaughter, Sydney. Yeah. My niece. But the cool part was my mom set this all up. Through the, in the lobby of the rink, there was all these cool artifacts, and one was a handwritten card from Craig Button. Right? That was pretty cool. That's neat. Regarding Dad's contributions to the Stanley Cup championship in 1999 yeah. with the Dallas Stars. And I can't believe that it has been 24. That's a quarter of a century, yo. I know. And interesting that that still comes up, by the way. Yeah. I know. The, the skate increase, I mean. Still comes up. The bread hall skate in the crease. Oh, I, all the time. Yeah. Right? All, the, all time. the time. And that's one of those that I argue. I'm like, they got it right. I mean, they got it, they got it wrong when it comes to, like, how the rule was written in the book. But in terms of the intention and the integrity of the game and, the, like, the spirit of the rule, they got it right at the end of the day, which is good for the stars and for sure. hockey to get that right. And then they spawned changing that rule back a little bit, right? There was no interference there. There was no, you know, crowding of the crease. That was kind of brought in for like the guys like Thomas Holmstrom, right? Who just sat with both skates firmly in the crease, right? Uh -huh. Up against goaltenders all the time and was a real nuisance.
honestly, you everybody gets. I'm fidgeting with my earphones here. Level. Everybody gets so worked up about the refs, and I, and then those that implement the rules. And I'm like, if these guys, they stay up at night. Trust me, I know them. The people like Craig Button when he was running teams. Trying to find a way, a loophole in the rules to use it to your advantage. It's a co- it's a constant cat and mouse game. Yeah. You know what I mean? It and is. it's oh, it's gotta be exhausting. And then to talk about the Super Bowl last night. I just I remember when the CFL a few years ago, I was still working in the league where they 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 they've decided we're gonna strictly enforce pass interference. If you put your hands on a receiver five yards past their line of scrimmage, you're gonna get flagged. It was terrible. Yeah. But it changed the game. That penalty last night was a penalty. Yeah. Why are we complaining about it? I know. And the new one that came out of last night is the rugby scrum on the one yard, you know, third and one, fourth and one. And the Eagles do it so well. They line the two big guys up behind. Hertz goes and they just push the pile like rugby. They're supposed to be able to do that. No, and it's automatic that they're going to get the first down every time. And so instead of somebody getting hurt, just give them the first down. But they're probably going to end up tweaking that rule at some point in the offseason. Last minute of play in the RP show. Yeah, well, at one point they called it tandem blocking, which is another thing that I don't miss calling play-by-play specifically for football because I'm like, you're expected to know all the rules as a play-by-play guy. I'm like, I'm not even the color guy. The color guy should know all the rules. I'm just calling what I see. Yeah. And the rules are so intricate, and they change all the time, and it's just, uh, I don't want to do this anymore. That's how it was with me. It's stressful. With me calling lacrosse. I said, I'll do it, but you better have a hell of a color guy with me who knows all the intricate ins and outs of the game. Right. Darren in Utah says it was a hold, not a legal contact. Right? Here, all of this. We're going to be talking about this all friggin' winter and spring until they play again. I know. Thank you to Craig Button. That was fun. Thank you to Jeff Patterson. Thanks to our entire IKS crew, particularly Jordan and Clark. And we'll see you all tomorrow, noon Eastern, here on Game Plus and Who has more fun than us?